Listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. It's refreshing. <laughs> uh, we're a podcast that talks about a horror movie, and we will spoil that horror movie. We'll also talk about recently watched. We won't spoil that if we can help it. And um, thank you to the Moon Rays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Um, you can find the music on Amazon or iTunes if you want to buy it. Say hi to them on Facebook, where they are, the Moon Dash Rays. And uh, did I mention that we're not professional critics? No. It'll be obvious quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not professional. No. We're critics who don't get paid. So therefore, we're not professional critics. Exactly. So, or professionals. So we had a week off because of me and my stupid schedule. And it'll happen again, but the next time it happens, I'll be at Horror Hound and maybe get an interview with somebody. Who knows? Horror Hound. Is that that Whore. meant... It's based like, uh, it's a, it's convention. Old, it's an old people candy convention. It's an old people candy convention. Oh, I love it. You got any of them circus peanuts or the whorehound? <laughs> I always thought that was funny when I was a kid. Whorehound. Yes. <laughs> and laugh and laugh. Yeah. It's like a whoremonger. Um, so, uh, we did this two weeks ago, and uh, here we are again. It's a lovely day here in Denver. Don't move here. <laughs> that goes without saying if you see the price of a house in Denver. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a nice day, and uh, here we are in a shed at the bottom of a garden, <laughs> ready to talk about a horror movie. So, recently watched. What have you watched recently? Uh, I've watched quite a bit. Let's see. I'll give you a rundown. I watched The Dark, which is a late 70s horror movie. Yeah, good poster. St- starring William Devane. <laughs> Horrible movie. <laughs> Couldn't decide if it... I mean, they tell you it's an alien, but maybe it's a zombie or a demon killing people. So Although the back, he shoots laser beams out of his eyes. So you know. the back of the video box said, it had a great poster. It should have. Ooh. And whoever filmed it, or the copy at least I watched, they crank the dark way too high. You couldn't tell what was going on in scenes at all. And then it whispers, the dark... Hearing the music, like, mm. uh, Omega Cop, hmm. which is in a mid-80s, I'm guessing, piece of crap film. The less said about it, the better. All right. Uh, I can see the poster in my mind. Mm, I, man. I've never seen it. But. I thought it was going to be like a RoboCop. I can it's, it's a little bit like a RoboCop, I guess. Adam West is in it. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Adam he West, phones, RoboCop. He phones it in. Adam West does. Uh-huh. Uh, what is red phone? Yes, <laughs> yeah. he should have. Um, then I watched Gamera the Invincible because oh. I had not seen the American version. Okay, I had seen the original Gamera, but right, I thought I had seen the American version at some point, and I hadn't. So I watched it. And... Did they shoehorn any American actors in there? Oh, they yeah. do, like Telly Savalas or I think it's Forrest Tucker in that one, isn't oh. it? Forrest Tucker, yeah. They they shoehorn in a whole military scene and they have some American jets flying around. Oh, lovely. Uh that uh then let's see what else did I watch? I watched season six of Orange is the New Black. I'm not quite sure why I keep up with that show, but I'm not either. It's got one more season, I might as well finish it out um i watched the second season of glow oh yeah how'd you like it i enjoy it i yeah. like that show a lot better than orange is the new black mm-hmm. um i think that maybe oh um i'm sure i watched some other stuff but i don't remember now um seems like i watched a lot of crap this week 
But uh, <laughs> hey, you know, it was a good week we for go. him. Yeah, stay indoors, stay cool. Do you have? Yeah, any, I had any? a couple of wisdom teeth finally pulled. So oh, you did? So yeah, so I spent all of Thursday watching Glow. Oh yeah, just get so. get medicated and watch some TV. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I was gonna do. Yeah, that's the right thing to do, man. Yeah, I had all four of mine out at once when I was eighteen, and that mm. was that was. The best thing to do is just get them out at once. Just do the suffering at one time and you're done. I have to say my dentist now is fantastic and he yanked those in about 30 seconds. <laughs> Good. It was great. Man. So, but he used to be an Air Force dentist, I guess. Oh. So there's like no messing around there. They just put their foot on your chest yeah, and grab the pliers. And, and, yeah. And you're like, are, are, it hurt a lot. Like, well, we're done. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so you were awake for it. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah being knocked out isn't fun. No. But uh, anyway, I think that's all I watched. All right. So that's Will. How about you, Julian? Uh, Yeah. I, I d- just uh, heads up um, stuff that's coming out later this year on disc. Uh, there's a two disc creep show, limited Ooh, edition. Nice. Uh, remastered. Looks lovely, but it's about forty bucks right now. So mm. just the first one. Yeah, uh, yeah. This the second one you can go on blue now. Oh, okay. Uh, there's this like new 4K scan mm. of Creepshow. Um, there's going to be a single disc one coming out later, but yeah, uh, yeah. I can't afford this 40 uh, disc yeah, one, but it looks 40. nice. Nice. Uh, but I have ordered. Uh, there's a edition of Night of the Demon from Indicator, which is a British. Mm, okay. Like a high quality yeah. Blu-ray company. Uh, they do lots of Ray Harryhausen and stuff like that. Um, but it's got four cuts of the movie. So oh, it's got okay. the, the like the, the British feature and then the, the edited version and then it's got the American release and the edited version of that. Oh, okay. And then it's also got the uh, the eight millimeter like home video home film version really on there and a whole bunch of extras so i'm I'm excited about that it's night of the demon not demons no no no. okay it's the 57 yeah okay yeah you watched it yeah yeah last year early this uh, year blue underground are putting out a three disc 4k remaster of zombie oh yeah i saw that uh somewhere that they were talking about that Mm -hmm. so yeah i've been waiting for something like that for a while yeah. Anyway, um, also Rampage. Oh, with The Rock? Yeah, it's a monster movie from this year. Yeah, yeah it's got a big gorilla in it. Yep, yep. Um, but, 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 enough of, game. but enough about The Rock. What else is <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, He's likable as always. Uh, this is another one from him and uh, Brad Payton. They did uh, San Andreas as well, which is a very enjoyable mm-hmm. disaster movie. Uh, so this is based on the Midway game, which began in 86. Yeah. yeah, they kept coming out with versions for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so Dwayne Johnson, Naomi Harris, OBE. Um, she was in uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. Oh yeah, and she plays uh, Money Penny in the oh yeah Bond movies, and she was the voodoo witch in Pirates. Oh, uh, uh, didn't realize that was her. Wow, and one of the villains is Malin Ackerman, who's in who she was a uh, Silk Spectre two in Watchmen. Oh okay. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't place her for a while. And said, oh, and then I realized who she That's was. how I felt about the uh, the mathematician or whoever it was in uh, Annihilation. I could not place her in the yeah. senior name. We're like, oh, she was in Thor. Right. Ragnarok. <laughs> Completely different character. No wonder I didn't place her. And uh, Jason Lowell's is the mocap perfor- performer of George, who's really good. Yeah. They've really got a lot of... Um, characterization of the the animation really good nice uh yeah the special effects are awesome if you're a monster fan this is good this ticks all the boxes all right got three big monsters trash in chicago there you go broad daylight (laughs) high def oh fantastic uh uh this is this giant like uh alligator monster that it doesn't just go up this glass tower goes into it like about halfway up it decides oh enough of this climbing i'm gonna go through the building oh yeah smashing through it and, oh it's just I, I enjoyed the hell out of it it's got like a dull 
bit about you know in the middle act you know where they they're doing a bit of exposition and like character development and then mm. they just get back to the <laughs> fun yeah i enjoyed that a lot uh in cold blood i hadn't uh, seen it before from 67 okay yeah, yeah. Robert, robert blake yeah, yeah. Uh, so this is uh directed by richard <clears throat> brooks and he's done lots of fantastic movies was tony musanti in this one Try to think of who was in it with uh, him. Okay, I'll give you a rundown. So Richard Brooks did The Killers, mm-hmm. classic noir. He did a few noir. Yeah. Uh, Blackboard Jungle, yeah. based off the Truman Capote novel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he was kept off the set so that they could do their own thing. Ah. <laughs> but it's pretty. It follows it pretty closely. Yeah. Um, the structure's a bit different. You think you're going to be let off the actual events yeah. of that night. This is like this is like a true crime. Film, mm-hmm. if you hadn't heard of it, uh, which is about this uh, murder in uh, Kansas in the late fifties. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not really into that sort of thing, so I hadn't seen this for quite a while. I right. read read the book, <clears throat> um, uh, and the the director of photography on this is Conrad Hall, who did. Uh, um, you'll, you'll recognize his work. He he uh, he did a lot of Outer Limits, and uh, oh, okay. he's done a lot of uh, cool movies, and he's really interested in doing uh, like more independent movies mm-hmm. he did uh, I think he did Easy Rider oh okay but he, he like incorporate accidents into the photography yeah which uh, you know uh, not many people in the west did um, but it's got this there's this uh, famous scene where uh, uh, Robert Blake's looking out he's just like he's got his thousand yard stare and when he's in, in this room and it's like a, a dark rainy night and the light is coming through the rainy windows and projecting mm-hmm. onto his face. So he's kind of got this black, blank expression as he's recalling these terrible things. Yeah. But the there's this, the light is projecting the rain onto his face. Sort of like tears that he's not, yeah. not shedding. Yeah, so he's not actually crying, but it's just right. coming down his face. Mm. And this was an accident, apparently. But he, uh, the you know, uh, uh, Conrad Hall noticed this effect. Yeah. And, like It's just beautiful. Wow. And the, oh, this movie, have you seen it? I've never seen the this movie 60s. all the way through. It's just stunning. Just I've read the book. Really I love dark. the book. Really, yeah. Um, yeah, I saw it decades ago. And the music yeah. by Quincy Jones is really good. Oh, and yeah. I've seen Capote. Right. <laughs> uh, so, yes, yeah, so it's got Robert Blake in it, uh, who's in Electric Light in Blue and Lost Highway. He was in the R Gang <laughs> shorts. Yeah, uh, of course. And Scott yeah. Wilson plays the other killer. Yeah. And John Forsyth is the detective. Mm-hmm. And uh, Charles McGraw is the father of the Scott Wilson character. You know, Charles McGraw, the really gruff voice yeah. guy from lots of film noir, like Narrow Margin and things like that. Yeah. And, and uh, the Walking Dead fans will know Scott Wilson as Herschel from The Walking Dead. Okay. Yeah. So he's an old man with a gray beard, but uh, same guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in, uh, in The Heat of the Night as well. Yeah. He's this kind of like farm boy. and He's, he's like this good looking guy. Yeah. And you don't expect him to do what he does. Mm. Uh, so, yes, this is about the murder of the Clutter family in 1959. And it's uh, filmed in black and white, you know, which is unusual in the late 60s. Yeah. And it's filmed on location, so where things oh. actually happened. Wow. Um, and then it ends up at the Colorado Territorial Correctional Facility in Canyon City. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Um, just chilling, horrifying. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah, un- yeah. unprovoked murders. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they just they they they're under a misunderstanding that there's this like jail cell rumor that you know like farmers have lots of money on them. Yeah, that they keep in a safe, just socked away, and it's just fantasy. And they turn up at this place, and there's no money to be had. They get they they kill this entire family for like forty dollars. Yeah, and a radio. Yeah, they like a nick a radio and a couple of other stupid things. And yeah. That's all they get. Uh, anyway, uh, Isle of Dogs, also from this year, Wes Anderson. Hmm. How was it? Uh, it's a beautiful-looking film. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, pays tribute to Kurosawa and stuff. So oh, okay. Always, always like that. And it's even got, like, themes from Seven Samurai and Drunken Angel in it. Um and it's like set in this massive like trash island, so it's you know obviously reminds you of like a uh, Dedesca Den and Don Zoko and, um, but uh, but unlike 
like Japanese films, it's the compositions are very. Uh, it's kind of perpendicular, like you get in uh, Yasujiro Ozu movies. So the like uh, flat areas of the scenery are like perpendicular to the camera, mm-hmm. but then the composition is like uh, a single perspective. Like, okay. Like you get in Kubrick. Yeah. And the Japanese tend to be things be uh, uh, it'll be balanced, but things won't be dead centered. Mm. But this is like almost every shot is whatever you're you know, the, the focal yeah. characters right in the right middle. Right in the middle, yeah. Um and it also references this uh there's this Japanese folk tale called Momotaro, the Peach Boy. Okay. And uh where he, he takes his animal friends and he goes to this uh island to rescue uh loved ones from demons oh. on this island and it kind of, and it ref- references this kind of tale which is like it. And uh that the, the demon island in, in the story is Onigashima. And uh, in the movie, it's uh, Inugashima, which is, which is dog. dog Island. Um, but it, it's it's uh, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I wonder why it was set in Japan at all for a while. But uh, uh, it's kind of it's about how um, uh, translation gets garbled, and there's a lot, there's uh, there's there's lots of humor in it. Is from what the Japanese people are saying, mm-hmm. and, the, and the and the bits of text that you see in it. Are different to how the the English speakers is, is picking up things. Oh, um, so yeah, it, 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 I, I, we really enjoyed it. Oh, okay, uh, and I saw this uh, movie called The Witchmaker from nineteen sixty nine. Huh? You heard of that yeah. one? No. Uh, this is Willem Brown. Good. Don't think I know that one. Uh, this has got this uh, stars Anthony Isley. I don't know. Who was in the Mighty Gorgo, which is this wretched kind of King Kong ripoff movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, he's also in, uh, this this movie is also known as uh, Legend of Witch Hollow, which has a poster which makes it makes it look like a Bigfoot movie, which is it is not. Hmm. Also known as the Witch Master, also known as Witch Kill. Uh, this has got John Lodge in it, playing a character named Luther the Berserk. Hmm. Uh, this is a, like a this atmospheric swamp story. Uh, I thought it had a killer slow pace. But it's got some interesting stuff. There's like a basically there's this coven that's located somewhere around the swamp, and then these people, have, this group has gone out into the swamp to investigate psychic phenomena. Hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this came out on a double bill with the Naked Witch, <laughs> and it came out on a triple bill with Cat and Nine Tails and the Rats Are Coming and the Wolves Are Here. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. That's um, quite a title. Yeah. Um, Wait, is it The Rats Are Coming and the Werewolves Are Here? That's all one title? Yeah. Okay. Just want to be clear uh, it wasn't two different movies. Yeah. I think, is that, who is that? Al, Al Adamson? It's like one of those ultra cheapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some actual mice being bashed to death in it, so I hated it. Anyway, um, it's got like this, uh, The Witchmaker's got this like coy near nudity. I think some of the, the, the women in it have been models or something. Hmm. Um, it's got a bunch of good looking women in it. And it's got this kind of coy near nudity. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a drive in obscurity. But, uh, Where'd you see that it's got, one? It's got some interesting bit. I just saw it online, I think. Oh, okay. Um, uh, oh, well, Combat Shock. <laughs> Combat Shark. Have you seen that one? No. Combat Shock. Shock. Oh. Not shark. That would be a good one. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready uh, for that movie. <laughs> Combat Shark. So Combat Radar. Shock is this uh, trauma re-edit of this film called American Nightmares, uh, directed by Buddy Giovinazzo, who also produced it and wrote the screenplay and edited it, and it stars his brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, shot on 16mm in Staten Island, including the Vietnam sequences. Ooh. So this is about a Vietnam vet who's... Uh, so he's, he's come home after he's seeing all this, like, uh, gory stuff. And uh, he's also been... Um, uh, he's also physically affected because he he's exposed to Agent Orange. And so uh, most of the film is him back on Staten Island with his wife and their mutant baby. So it's kind of like a razor head and taxi driver. Hmm. Really depressing on his. <clears throat> it's just it's people in poverty on Staten Island. It's just bleak stuff. Uh, you know, it's, so 
you know, the most exciting things that happen for most of the movie are like people shooting up heroin and things like oh, that. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, there's this ridiculous thug. Uh, he's like dressed in chains and leather and <laughs> got, got this kamikaze headband on. And uh, so they're going around beating people up and, and this, this guy owes them a lot of money. Yeah. So it's, it's basically, it's like, it's like the bulk of the movie is him being worn down and down and down and down until he goes, just freaks out and just uh, kills everyone including his family what year is that one 87 uh, um i i think combat shock was 84 yeah that sounds I'm, about I'm right i'm sure so american nightmares that he made american nightmares and then it and then it got picked up by trauma and re-edited it so maybe so i'm not sure so it, it was like mid 80s yeah there was a um like a window of opportunity to get away with the kamikaze headband and that was about 83, 84 through about 87, 88. <laughs> and then it wasn't allowed. Well, it just wasn't cool. It wasn't, PC. it wasn't heard of before that and it wasn't cool after that. So you just got away with what you could. Uh, let's see. Uh, I saw The Manster on Blu-ray, which is great. Love it. Uh, nice. I, I wrote about it on um, Facebook. Yeah. And then uh, watched uh, all the Batman feature films. All the Batmans. Um, so starting off with uh, the Bat Whispers, uh, and then uh, and then just going into the official Batman. Movies Is that why from he had that voice in the the sixties in the Nolan film? <laughs> the Bat Whispers. <laughs> He's one trying of, to whisper. Uh, so there was this film in the late twenties, a silent called film the called Bat. The Bat, yeah. uh, directed by Roland West, and then he remade it in sound as the Bat Whispers. Yeah, but it's it's just clearly one of the main inspirations. Yeah, and it's got. Have you seen it? Uh, I've seen the Bat. I don't. Uh, yeah, I've seen the Bat Whispers, I believe. Yeah, it starts off with that, like, uh, there's this, it opens up on this shot of this clock on this top of this tower, and then the camera just tilts down and just drops down to the street and then tilts back and goes through the doors. Yeah. And you can you can tell how they did it, but it's, it's pretty impressive stuff. Nice. And then there's this, like, Bat criminal who's this, like, jewel thief. Yeah, and they're uh, all trapped in a house, right? Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, uh, you, you mostly see him as a silhouette or a shadow. And he's kind of like, a, you know, the early Joker stories, the very first ones, mm-hmm. where he says, uh, I'm going to steal your jewels at midnight and you can't do, you can't stop me. So, <laughs> you know, even though they've got the room stuffed with police. So yeah. that's what he does. And then he, then he says, well, uh, the police can take a break because I'm going to the country now. And he goes out to this country house. And, and uh, so one of the characters who turn up at this old dark house yeah. is the bat, but uh, they... They don't know who it is. Ah. Um, so, it is, yeah, it's pretty cool. The um, Bat Burglar. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we watched all the Batman movies. All the Batmans. 66 through what, wow. 2000. You didn't, you didn't throw in the, the, the first serial? <laughs> oh, I've seen that before, but, uh, yeah, I didn't want to watch that again. Especially not with Emily, because she's, <laughs> she's Japanese-American, and she would have just destroyed the TV. At the, uh, yeah. <laughs> within That's five so minutes. Sad that and I, I would have like sat there and going, oh, I don't blame you, but don't we would have lost you. a TV. In, in your own words, it was astonishingly <laughs> racist. Astonishing. Yes. Was, yeah. Uh, and then Die, Monster, Die. So, so did you... Have you watched all the Batman movies? I think I probably have watched all the Batman movies except Batman Rises or The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Rises. Yeah. That's the only one I haven't seen. Okay. Wait, that's the that's the first Nolan one, isn't it? No, that's, that's the, the last one. Nolan one. That's the one with Bane in it. Oh. I watched Batman Begins yeah. on a Chinese bootleg. Oh, okay. Um that somebody picked up and uh picked up like right after it came out. That's the most oh. fun one of that trilogy. Yeah. It's, and then, uh, it's, it's actually really funny, at several, you know, deliberately funny. At yeah. Points. And then the second one I really did not like. And <laughs> what, just didn't why, watch why did you one. like it? It was too long. It was too long and it was too serious for the, I don't know, it just felt like it went on and on. Right. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it more this time around, but uh, that was the one that actually I, I laughed in the theater when they're up on the roof, and it's like uh, it's Gordon and Dent and 
Batman on the roof. Yes. And he's, so you've got these two ordinary looking guys and there's Batman standing off to the side and he's, he looks shorter than either of them. That's what got me. Yeah, so, so Batman, what do you think? The, I think that was what got me in that movie uh, near the beginning right after the bank robbery. Mm. It's like a day shot and Batman is in the bank talking to yeah. the cops. Yeah. <laughs> and he does appear shorter than everybody and... He looked as ridiculous as if he had been wearing the San Diego chicken costume <laughs> and talking like. But there's some just fantastic filmmaking in those. Yeah. In that trilogy. Have you, have you seen them all? I have, and uh, I'll probably watch all of them again. Oh yeah. You know, I'll watch anything Batman. Uh, right. I'll even watch that old serial eventually and just be ready to be astonished. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to lend them to you. Oh, you have them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. great. Um. Yeah, the third one. Um, third one I really like is that's the, they get progressively longer, so you probably hate it. Oh God, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it um, it's got this like bit I couldn't figure. It just took me out of it for a while, so I didn't enjoy it so much the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they 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 do a an attack on the stock exchange. Yeah, and they're all in disguise, and they uh, you know the whole film was about this like the the underclass kind of rising up and wreaking vengeance mm-hmm. um but um they that's so they they sneak into the stock exchange dressed as janitors and stuff like that and uh so it's so far so good but then when they bust out they're on bikes you think, where did that come from <laughs> you, i find your, that your, your mop bucket wasn't big enough for that i find that problem with with the with the dark knight one was like that there were several things it's been so long since i've seen it but uh, vaguely remembering things that would happen like that. You're like, wait, what? how did that even happen? Or yeah. that's such a movie coincidence that they, you know, such a screenwriting contrivance that mm-hmm. they threw in there that just would drag me right out of the film. And I find Nolan does that a lot. Oh, okay. I find he, he acts like he's really sharp, but he, and maybe we could tie this into the tonight's film um, discussion. But uh, I don't know. His he wants to be realistic, but then yes. he doesn't want to write a script that is terribly realistic, and the and the stories always seem a little a little I don't know. Contrived is the best I can think mm. of. Is that you know things work out only because it's movie logic. Yeah. But you're you're telling me the whole time this is realistic. <clears throat> yes, this is yeah, Batman yeah. in the real world. Yeah. But then these crazy coincidences happen and you're like i what is well what is it is it is it a comic book is it mm. you know kind of make-believe hyper real or is it a realistic gritty version of batman in the yes. real world yes and i can't decide what he wants <laughs> and he can't decide what he wants maybe not what'd you watch um anything well i did have some time off because i went to spokane washington and Oh, went, was that it for you, though? Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I went there to see uh, a friend's band uh, play an opening spot for another friend's band who was reuniting for the first time in quite a while. Um, I think they got together in 2010, and now they're getting together for... Oh, look at that. You got the bat signal. Um and then you know they're getting together for the uh, vinyl release of uh, two of their albums that uh, had never been on vinyl before. One of which I did the cover for, a uh, band, oh, nice. band called Black Happy, and uh, the album cover I did was Friendly Dog Salad, and it's uh, it's cool. It's it's fun to see that stuff actually you know come to fruition. And be... I've, I've never heard anything by them. Oh, they're they're great. They're uh, basically they started as a heavy metal band, and then they um, the the best way Paul uh, explained it, the singer who's a good friend of mine, uh, he said, well, one of the guys in the band got a Fishbone album and another guy, me, got a Public Enemy album. Oh. And he's like, you know, between those two things, we started to go in a different direction with our likes and our tastes and what we wanted to do musically. And then they started listening to a lot of James Brown and forget it, it was on. So they knew all the guys in pep band in college and they're just like, hey, you two trombone players and you the sax player, come on over, let's practice a song. and." Mm-hmm. After that, they just knew they wanted to steer their music in that direction. And uh, so I was there to see that, which meant I had some downtime to watch a couple movies. And uh, the shows were awesome. They sold out two nights at uh, 1500 Seat Hall. And 
it was uh the crowd was completely nuts considering that most of them were over 40 <laughs> so uh, i guess the old people could still rock um i watched oh by the way that movie uh that our listeners heard us talk about with the arrival of dracula in a helicopter oh and, yeah and the two look-alike women one of whom was a vampire that was called the vampire happening looks like a jess franco but isn't um anyway that's that's the one to look for if you want to see dracula flying a helicopter and a bunch of other silliness um i saw children shouldn't play with dead things oh yeah yeah so that was a uh, bob clark uh, mm-hmm. under a different name i forget what his he used a false name on this one like uh, uh i forget what it was I've always robert clark <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> it was a different last name but uh, <laughs> Yeah, Robert, like that works. Um, Clark Roberts. Yeah, Clark Robertson. Um, so I watched that one, had not seen it before. I was surprised at uh, the poor quality of the film stock itself or the preservation of uh, of the uh, film. Uh, yeah, it just came out in blue. Did, oh. How did you watch it? It was on that Saturday Night Frights, the thing that's hosted by the werewolf in a top hat. Uh, it's on. It's on a like a public access channel okay i've never heard of that Uh, (laughs) yeah they're they're trying to evoke that that vibe of a horror host in the 60s they might not have been showing the latest version Mm, of it i'm gonna go ahead with they certainly weren't (laughs) okay uh but i got to see it anyway so that was interesting did did you like it i did i like the fact that uh that these characters um one of them you're not sure if he's having them on or if he's really up to something and then he gets all these people uh, onto this little island. I guess they boat out there. And they're basically on an island in a swamp. And they're going to do some ceremony. And he's like their drama teacher at college. Yeah. And all of these students are just on board with this idea. And it seems like you know, they start out by playing a couple of tricks on some of the people by pretending that they've reanimated somebody's corpse. And it's actually another drama student in makeup. Then they do some ceremony and actually awaken the dead, right. and it turns into a full-on zombie movie. So I I watched it and it's like it's kind of this scrappy comedy, mm-hmm. yeah. And about halfway through, when the dead get up, yeah, it gets really. It's a good zombie movie. Yeah, it gets into like it's scary. Yeah, you could tell it was drawing from. Um, uh, oh God, the, the one we just talked about um, recently, uh, Carnival of Souls. Mm. So it really draws from Carnival of Souls, and I think Night of Living Dead preceded it by a few years. I yeah, think this yeah. was like 71, right. if I remember right. Early 70s. Yeah. yeah, 71, 72, somewhere in there. Anyway, so you could feel like, okay, they've seen Carnival of Souls several times. They've probably seen Night of Living Dead a couple times. And uh, it's like, yeah, let's do some of that, but definitely do it a different way. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. It, um, other than the low quality of <clears throat> the transfer... I do feel like maybe they didn't have a lot of budget, so maybe the, you know, maybe the film stock wasn't great to start with. Maybe the sound wasn't great to start with, but it had to be better than what I saw. Mm. <laughs> so, that not even counting that, it, it's a good watch. Yeah, for anyone who feels like they've seen it all and haven't seen that, you should watch that. <laughs> all right, Halloween four. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this is when they get back on the Michael Myers train after uh, Halloween three, season of the witch, which had no Michael Myers. Love it. Yeah, I mean it's it it exists on its own. Yeah, you know it's it's not part of the canon of the Michael Myers stuff, but uh, uh, Halloween four is not bad. I think uh, I think Halloween five is the one that people are like, yeah. Oh, I, I detested that one. Yeah, um, I haven't rewatched that yet. I'm I prob- think that's the one I watched shortly after we began the podcast. Is this- like we watched Halloween and Rob yeah. Zombie's Halloween. Yeah, I think this is the one with Paul Rudd. Uh, this I don't know if he's in this one. Um, and uh, oof, yeah, it's a it's a slog. Well, Halloween Five is the um, the debut of uh, Danielle Harris, and then she goes on to be in Part Five, and I think that's it for her. Until she appears in the Rob Zombie one as a different character. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she does appear in it. uh, Which is kind of a nod, I suppose, on Rob's part. Uh, Halloween 4 was fine. I think it's good. People should give it a look. Um, Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, yeah, so 1, 2, 4, and I don't remember if anything else was good. I like 3. 
Well, yeah, but I mean Michael Myers movies. Oh, and Michael Myers movies, yeah. Was six and Cat seven. Cat in the Hat was probably the scariest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne's yeah, World 2. Love <laughs> Guru was pretty bad. <laughs> um, but moving on, I, I think it's a, it's worth a watch. But uh, The Ruddles, I'd never seen this. It was that parody. It was a mockumentary about a band the that's... Beatles. Exactly, The mm-hmm. Beatles, but... Eric Idle. Yep. This one is fun. I had never seen it. And uh, didn't know that they had put so much effort into making the look of the film and the sound of the music be so much like the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, that being said, uh, Lorne Michaels, I think, produced it of SNL fame. Uh-huh. Um, the celebrity appearances were kind of amazing. You had all kinds of people in this movie, um, including uh, George Harrison. Oh. Yeah, he's he's one of the one of the characters that you may not be able to pick out unless you know it's him. Mick Jagger is being interviewed, talking about the Ruddles, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect. <clears throat> I didn't know much about it. I'd, I'd heard people had mentioned it to me a couple times over the years, and I thought, yeah, I don't need to see that. I thought it was fun. Uh, Eric Idle is always funny to me. Uh, he is one of my, well, I like all the Monty Python guys, but he in particular is more silly than the rest. Uh, near dark did a rewatch. I was staying with, uh, Dave and Carrie who are good friends. Dave's in the band, the Bettys that opened for black happy. And, uh, he's, uh, he's a pretty funny guy. And, uh, he suggested the ruddles. And then I suggested, uh, because Carrie hadn't seen this particular horror movie near dark because it got overshadowed by lost boys and didn't get a budget for promoting the thing. And uh, yeah, we agreed that it, it kind of got screwed and, and I thought, she'd enjoy this thing. I'm not sure Dave was quite as on board with a vampire movie. And I think he was pretty tired from having played, you know, a lot of rehearsals and then having played the show. Uh, the rewatch, of course it was good. We already talked about this. I don't need to say much more than see Near Dark if you haven't. Uh, the Snowman. Finally saw The Snowman. Okay. Um, it's really pretty and really yeah. cool, yeah. but <laughs> I'm not sure what the hell it's doing most of the time. <laughs> And all of a sudden, there's the dude with the thing that ratchets the little piece of cable yeah, and cuts you, limbs you off. that from the Dario Argento film? Yeah. yeah. And I'm watching this thing going, all right, I know where that's from. I'm not sure why it's going places and doing things that is where it's going and what it's doing. But uh, but it was pretty, and it was yeah. uh, a really long movie. <laughs> it was like two and a half, uh, right. two, two hours, 45 minutes, something like that. Uh People were bagging on this movie so bad. And I was like ready to just be bored. And I wasn't. It was like a lot of great scenery. Mm-hmm. So I liked it all right. I, I still don't know what it was doing. Or yeah, what. it sounds like it was a mess. The, yeah. No one was in control of it. Right. Yeah. So who, whoever was supposed to steer the story in a particular direction, it does feel like they were fired or quit. Anyway... Jennifer's Body, that was another one I had never seen and yeah. felt like I should watch it. Have, have you seen that one? Yeah, I've seen that one. I and like that one all right. I completely forgot Diablo Cody wrote it. Yeah. And uh, of Juno fame. And uh, I liked it. Um, it did do some things that I wasn't sure why it was doing um, in terms of who suddenly had powers or appeared to and then didn't, or it was someone's imagination or was it? There's a lot yeah. of that going on. And then why some half-ass alternative band uh, was so <laughs> so popular and so evil. Oh, there's a little spoiler on that one. Yes, the alternative band, Low Shoulder. They're just not a great band, and, uh, and we're up to some uh, nefarious doings. Yeah. Uh, and that, of course, has me thinking about a rewatch of uh, All Cheerleaders Must Die, which I might do maybe tonight. But that was a... That was a Lucky McKee one, if I remember right. I've not seen that. I've not seen that. That one's fun. It's it's kind of a, in a similar vibe of Jennifer's Body, mm. where it's kind of funny. And then that whole thing got me on the idea, I should watch Riverdale. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm just going to watch a couple episodes, see what it's like. All right. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all kind of in that similar theme, you know. Yeah. So, Yeah. That's it for me for recently watched and uh, and of course Annihilation. Yes. Now, I'm not going to start this discussion. Uh, 
You already have. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to continue this discussion. Will, what did At you think? At all? I will. I will. But you go first. What did you think of this? Uh, well, I liked it, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. You have two minds about this thing. <laughs> two minds. I can't reconcile them. On one hand, uh, I think the problem came down to they couldn't decide if they wanted to make it... um, Event Horizon? (laughs) No, if they wanted to make it like um, Under the Skin where you didn't know what was going on and you finished watching it and you weren't quite sure what you had watched. Mm -hmm. And explaining everything right and they couldn't figure out quite where to go with that yeah they would start explaining everything and then stop yeah and then tell you something contradictory to that thing right Right. yeah and i don't know it didn't i don't think it ultimately worked for me okay this movie i don't i don't know if i would recommend it i didn't hate it right and there are some parts i really liked but and some parts that were pretty creepy. Okay. Um, but ultimately, I think it's just, it's missing some part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Yeah, there is there is something about, like, the husband shows back up. And it needed to be, rather than just him a little confused, you should have been wondering if there was something wrong with him in the sense that he might do something wrong to her. Yeah. It's like, is he evil now, or is, is is it even him? You should have been wondering these things rather than he seems dazed and we're not sure where he's been. I think there's, they should have uh, you know fooled us a little bit before he starts hemorrhaging and wanting to, you know, well, not wanting to, but ending up going toward the hospital. Uh, Jolene, what did you think of this thing? Well, he, he falls apart because it, he's being transformed by going into the... The shimmer. The shimmer, the shimmer. yeah. So it, it, you know, might not actually be him, right? But he's a. Uh, I took the whole movie as, um. Uh, the the shimmer is this, uh, the whole the whole theme of the movie is like self destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like the shimmer is like, uh, it's kind of like cancer. Okay. But of the planet. Right. And uh, so. Um, so you have the idea of people wanting to destroy themselves some way and cancer being something where your body's destroying itself. And uh, and so you're, if you survive or not, you're transformed. You're a different person. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. So the opening sequence where uh, the professor is teaching her class and they're, and they're looking at the footage of the division of... Uh, of some cancer cells mm-hmm. that seemed like that was the foreshadowing. Yeah, and yeah. they do actually explicitly talk about self-destruction. Right. Yeah. Is there an environmental theme in terms of how, how that self-destruction uh, plays into the story? Do you, did you get that at all? Um, I think the, the book is more about the transformation of the environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, uh, again, I, I think it's like a, a general idea of uh, transformation, and um, you, you get in like Cronenberg um, and Clive Barker stories. Uh, there's a there's a transformation going on. It's like a life, uh, a process of life, which is not um, uh, beneficent to the people, mm-hmm. um, but it's it can be a beautiful thing um and just because some a person is transformed into something new it's not necessarily doesn't make it you know it's not evil or yeah bad it's just like a uh, life right um so you have these human characters like uh you know to to them it's a horrible transformation like a uh, the fly or something, but like Cronenberg and Barker will suggest it's like, uh, this is not a negative thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like going through this metamorphosis. Yeah. It's a transformation into something different. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, you, you have the idea of, um, uh, you know, if someone's gone through a major, you know, transformative illness or loss of limbs or or something, mm-hmm. uh, they're a new person, and if that if somehow the their old self confronted their new self, they'd feel so threatened. It'd be like a different person. It'd be like a uh, uh, being in a Arctic station and meeting someone who's the thing right right so you'd feel threatened by this new person but they're a transformed thing they're a transformed person but there's still you but your old self has been kind of uh consumed and transformed yeah so uh so you haven't disappeared but you've become this new thing and i've heard this theory before that if you suddenly did have a clone or uh you know some sort of a doppelganger that that they, you would automatically feel at odds with them and want yeah. them to be killed or done away with in somehow some way. Right. And I, and I've and I've heard this. You know, like as soon as there's a thing that's that's you that is you know sentient and you're across from it, it's like that's the fake. I'm the real one. That that one needs to mm-hmm. die. Yeah, but I ain't necessarily so. Right. And uh, of course, you saw that in uh, Primer when uh, when they do the time travel and they leave copies of themselves behind. You know, there's right, right. The, the people looking upon their duplicate selves are like, "What the hell are those guys up to?" You know, <laughs> well, that's you. Yeah, and you did that, or are gonna do that. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really it's a it's a tricky thing for for people to negotiate in their head. Um, well, at least in the context of a story i don't know that it's ever happened in real life i liked this overall but i did have a hard time figuring out again you know whether it was gonna let us wonder or try and explain things to us and it was stepping back and forth between those two things i felt that too uh and i don't know why they didn't just go straight mystery on the whole thing because then you could just be like they don't trust the audience maybe, you know, to, to, to sort it out, but, uh, they should have just been giving us mysterious things and maybe give us a little more in the dialogue, you know, to clue us in that this guy isn't himself and, uh, say some things that she would be like, dude, why are you saying that? That's, that's not who you are. You know, that you don't know this inside joke or, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I also felt like the, uh, the cutting back and forth, uh, between her and the in the facility in the facility and then out in the in the shimmer mm-hmm. kind of slowed the film down at times i think so too um i wonder what it would be like if you just had it a straightforward story they go in and then they you, know, you don't worry about her in the future yeah. or her in the present right um i kind of wondered why they why they put that in there I don't know. I, again, no. I feel like they were trying to explain it to the yeah, audience. I, I the movie uh, it kind of um, makes it easier for you than the novel does. The novel is just opening up questions all the time. Oh, okay. It doesn't explain anything. But, uh, yeah, the movie, it kind of gives you these chapter breaks, splits up locations, yeah. and the looks a bit distinct. Um, and they even title it, too, because yeah. they're like Area X and then The yeah, Shimmer. It, it, the, it, the movie yeah. spells things out more. It's not. It's not that faithful to the book. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was interesting that you brought up Cronenberg uh, uh, and and having rewatched a bunch of Cronenberg, I agree that these changes aren't presented as as necessarily evil. Mm-hmm. I've always I found rewatching Cronenberg. I found a lot of hopefulness yes. in his movies <laughs> a lot of positivity right like even though you've turned into the fly yeah it's kind of amazing right whereas this movie i felt like they wanted to kind of bring that sense of wonder but it, it didn't really nail it mm. and i don't again i don't know why i don't know what so i i don't know this movie's missing some element and i can't pin it down did the nightmare uh, sort of uh, mutations of, of the giant gator and then the weird bear creature, do those do anything to sort of uh, sell the idea to us? Because they were talking about how the mutations were subtle at first. And then, yeah. and then we see 
the single stalk or vine or whatever that has several different species of flowers growing off of it. And then we see flowers and, and vines and stuff growing in the shape of humans. Yeah. And you're seeing all this stuff. So it just basically is telling you that all of these things genetically are crossing over into each other. Yeah. And then we got that, that big nightmare of, a, of an alligator. Yeah. Which is pretty horrifying. And all the shooting didn't seem to kill the thing at first. And then they no, finally, yeah. They I finally was... killed it. Rows of shark-like teeth in the, all the way into all its mouth. All the way mouth. down, yeah. Like an alligator needs that. <laughs> but yeah, that just shows up and it's way bigger than it should be. And then we get the bear with the weird human screaming going on. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like that bear. <laughs> no. I especially didn't like when it bit someone's mandible off. Yeah. And we got to see it. Mm. Ugh. Thanks, movie. Yeah. Yeah, I can't unsee that. Um, but I guess the, those things are, are sort of my point about that is, so we're given that, did we need that for this story? You know, do we need monsters that show up? Did the book have them? Uh, yeah, but they're really vague. That they can't. Uh, so, like one of the um, uh, is is very Lovecraftian. So when Lovecraft did the Color Out of Space mm-hmm. in the late twenties, I think twenty seven, um, he wanted to have something come to Earth and transform it, uh, which would be really alien. Just, mm-hmm. We we just can't get our heads around it. We can't even see it properly because it's outside of our range of uh, perception of yeah. the spectrum that we can see it's this color that we can't even describe because it's completely alien yeah and uh yeah so in the book you have that they see these creatures and they're like refracted mirror things uh they, they just can't even conceptualize what they're looking at hmm. until it uh you know until it's like right on them Right. Um, yeah. So, the, the, yeah, the movie you get to see the creatures in a more concrete yeah. shape than you do in the book. Right. And I don't know that uh, that it's necessary to the story, but it did definitely add a horror element that everything else could have just been done a lot more subtly and a lot more like uh, there should have been a, a a building dread of like you know are these people the same way they did in um, Event Horizon, you know, people started to become something they weren't and become an evil version of themselves. Yeah. That would be, I think, more interesting than a giant gator monster or a giant bear monster. (laughs) Um, But they didn't really do that. Uh, They touched on it a little, but I think that would have been more effective for me. Uh, Maybe that's the problem with with putting something like this on film is that it has to be something concrete where... As you can't, you know, put a color on film that mm. nobody's seen yeah. before. Yeah. You, you'd make it so abstract at some point you wouldn't know what was going on. Yeah. So that's been filmed several times. Yeah. And one of them is Die Wants to Die. Okay. Uh, but like, uh, you, you had to sell with like Lovecraft movies, mm-hmm. you kind of had to sell for a glimpse of like a suggestion of yeah. cosmic horror. Just that they they just couldn't really touch it, and uh, it's it's got some of that in it. It's got yeah. like a greenhouse with these mutations in it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm um, uh, another uh, movie that uh, Annihilation is close to is a uh, Stalker, which is the Andrei Tarkovsky movie, um, oh. which, which is based on uh, based on another another story, but. Um, so that, that that one you have a group being guided into this uh, the zone which is this, some alien transformation of the landscape that has come to earth and uh, uh yeah and they and they there's existential dread in it there's there's no monsters in it yeah but um yeah they're, they're confronting something that's beyond their understanding so what what other movies um sort of do this uh this thing where you go through the void or or whatever it is you do like i I think about um pet cemetery for example someone goes where they shouldn't they come back changed you know whether it's the cat or or a human and and it's uh, event horizon i mentioned earlier um there's got to be a good handful of them uh of course that uh coherence had that weird thing where 
you know, the people from the other side of the void were, you know, they were your enemies because they looked like you. And then some of them switched places. Yeah. Or showed up and took someone out. I think that this is a really cool idea. It's a really spooky theme because you, you think, you know, and you trust the people that, you know, <laughs> and if it turns out that they aren't them, then that's a good spooky idea. But they are them, that's... but they're, they are, but they're changed. Yeah. I think that's, there's a lot to be mined there. Like with the right kind of writers. Yeah. You know? So did this movie work for you? Um, it, and again, I, I have two minds about it. It's like it, visually there was a lot of interesting stuff going on. Um, I didn't feel like I knew where I was with it half the time. Uh, they would give you little hints like when they, uh, when the group of women go into the shimmer and they have all their equipment with them, they they said, uh, um, they had like some memory loss after they set up their camp that they said, well, judging by how much of our supplies are gone, we've been here for, you know, three or four days. Three or four days. Yeah, that's just straight off. You know. yeah. yeah. Like they just got there and they're like uh, waking up going, we've been here for three or four days and, mm-hmm. and um, none of their communication equipment works. And the, and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character, I think says something like, well, three years of expeditions, three years of radio silence. I'm not surprised it doesn't work. Yeah. Like, right. Someone goes in, they don't come out or. Why didn't they go back at that point? Even you if they tried, think... could they have? I'm not sure that they could have, but I just wondered watching the movie, you're like, wow, we've lost four days and none of us really remember what's happening. Let's go back and at least explore that bit instead of pressing on. Did you watch Oculus? Oculus kind of did some of that. With the mirror. Yeah. Where they had the device that was going to smash the mirror. And so therefore the evil mirror couldn't do evil things to them because mm-hmm. they had to keep resetting the device. So it wouldn't smash the mirror. Yeah. But then they were filming the whole thing with like two cameras or something. And it was, the whole thing was just like, now we know what we can trust. Now we know what we can do. And mm-hmm. then the mirror is going to still mess with your mind. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing where I, I like being, you know, being fooled, watching them being fooled. Right. Yeah. So on that level, there's some really interesting to be done there, but I'm not sure they did it. And so I think I've only seen it it once, but I'll have to see it again. But um, uh, the thing that bothered me was um, uh, there's, there's the tower, the lighthouse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where the event started, which is also a pit uh, in the novel. They come across it eventually, I think. Yeah. I've not read it in a while, um, but in the movie, they know it's there. Yeah. Uh, why don't they go in by sea? Uh, that, that bothered me. Right. Yeah. So they, this is like expedition number 12, and things have gone wrong with every, every other one of them. expedition. Yeah. Why don't they try by sea? Because there's, like, there's no forest there. Right. Yeah. It appears to be normal until you get to the beach. And does this mean that as soon as the mutations begin in the ocean, it's just going to go worldwide? Yeah, you get the implication it's going to take over the world. And right. Transform it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, again, I, I liked aspects of it, but overall, and I did watch it twice overall, I wasn't really sure what it was doing and, uh, and whether it, it accomplished doing it. And then by the end of it, I'm going, okay, so we see video of, of her, um, her dead husband, apparently, you know, because the guy we saw earlier in the movie wasn't really him. And the guy we see later in the movie clearly wasn't him. The guy who was him set off that. A phosphorus grenade. Yeah. And so she saw the body and the big burn marks. Right. Okay. So we know he's really actually gone, but his genes have been duplicated and and that's moved on. All right. So we got that. So at the end where she uh, takes her mutation and kills it with a grenade like that one and everything, did everything start to duplicate fire in its genetic code and burned was everything burning that had been mutated it appeared to be so does that mean she effectively saved the world i don't know i'm mm-hmm. not sure yeah, no. yeah it's yeah. very ambiguous yeah. Yeah. her tattoo disappears as well or there you go yeah the tattoo i wondered about like yeah yeah because the one girl had that tattoo she didn't right Mm-hmm. You know, little things like that I really enjoyed, you know, yeah. and other bits where they felt like they were trying to spell it out, but yeah, 
Then they pulled, they didn't really they, know what they were spelling out. I don't. So know. then they would pull back from the spelling out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of fine line between like ambiguity and just fudging it. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I felt that uh, you know that that couple, her and the the husband, uh, yeah, you know, it, it kind of well, are they actual alien things? Different right. Things now, then. But then on, a, uh, on the other hand, even if they were just human, they'd be really different people. Yeah. Yeah. At the end, you know, they, they'd be just as alien to the, the people who started out before they went into the area. Right. So uh, what was the one with the um, the movie that had, uh, was it Contact? No, not Contact. The one that had uh, the, ling- the linguistics professor going. Arrival. The Arrival. Arrival. The Arrival. Um, I think the arrival pulled this this idea off where people have to go into this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't an event. It was it was uh, an actual uh, ship sort of thing, for lack yeah. of a better term, and have actual communication with the aliens. And then, of course, the conflict is where the military is like, no, we're just going to blow this stuff up and, you know, mm-hmm. call it a day. I thought they pulled off the idea of of the uncertainty of what does this thing want? But then there starts to be a breakthrough and then you understand, you know, what, what becomes of that breakthrough in this movie? I don't know what became of it. And having watched it twice, I don't know that I care. <laughs> I don't know that I care. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like, like uh, yeah, you, you can't get, uh, yeah, you don't know how you can care about something. You don't know what's going on. You don't know who anyone yeah. is. Yeah. Do I, do I care like about it, her? In the novel, they don't even have names. Oh. Oh, okay. And she's like deliberately, you, you don't know whether you're supposed to like her or not. Right. Which is interesting. I like I like that. But um, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, they don't have identities in the right. story. Like in Blade Runner, we don't know if Rachel is a replicant or not mm-hmm. for sure. And, uh, and that's one of my favorite aspects of the movie is that we're we're being shown and told something that is is being portrayed as inconclusive mm-hmm. but then later on in the movie we're told well it's not inconclusive at all she probably is a replicant and uh my uh, other favorite aspect of that is that rutger hauer was cool right <laughs> so, <laughs> always so you didn't even need harrison ford yeah i kind of uh, cut him I, out of the whole I movie i wonder if i like movies <laughs> stories where they they have a like a there's a definite structure that you can follow and and uh empathize with the characters like, yeah. like blade runner is basically film noir yeah you can complete the voiceover mm-hmm. structure so you, is, there's this solid base and then the, the ambiguity is is laid over that Okay, yeah. Whether I like that more than just something that's completely ambiguous all the way through, so you, you can't trust yeah. anything. I mean, which is which is fun for a couple of movies. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you don't know whether your your beloved character or the one you've that is sympathetic, if you don't know at the end of it if they've mm-hmm. been replaced or duplicated, that can be kind of cool. Yeah. But if that may have happened early on and you don't know if you should care throughout the whole movie, then yeah, psh, kind of... I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, it kind of leaves you uh, up in the head. Isn't it? it does. So that was my problem with the movie more than anything. But, uh, you know, in the CG stuff, it, it was what it was. I, I can't say that uh, these days um, you feel like your eyes have been truly fooled by anything you see. It's like, oh, well, clearly this bear creature is, you know, probably cg or at least what it's doing is cg and uh all of the stuff that's sprouting and glowing and shooting around uh, yeah it doesn't fool me i don't really know that i care uh for cg stuff as much as i care if it's actually in the physical world practical effect kind of stuff yeah um but uh you know, they, they spent their money and uh, they made it kind of visually, uh, you know, a spectacle. So somebody who digs that stuff might enjoy it more than I did. Uh, but you don't even have to have that stuff for a movie to work because Primer didn't have any kind of budget. And they made you really kind of spooked by some stuff and intrigued by some stuff with like that a $6,000 budget or whatever it was. And that one, that movie... 
kind of demanded a second watch. Yeah. Uh, Under the Skin, I felt demanded a second watch. Yeah. This one, mm. I'm not sure. Like, I feel like maybe I'd get more out of it if I watched it a second time. But again, do I really care? I don't. Yeah. And I did watch I it twice. And I don't watched know. it twice. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know that I cared anymore. Because I feel like there might be a smarter movie than I'm giving it credit for here. I'm not saying maybe the story's more than I got out of it that I'd pick up more on the second watch, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm kind of up in the air about, uh, you know, whether that's a thing and that's me having seen it twice. So, uh, that being the case, uh, anything else about the story that we want to talk about? Well, then the question would be, would you recommend it to a horror fan or to just general movie fans? Um, let me let me ask that another way uh things similar to this could you make a list of five or ten movies similar to this yeah and if so would it be anywhere in the top three to five i'd I'd go with stalker and um, some of the other versions of color out of space before this okay Uh, yeah i don't think i've ever seen any color out of space stuff but uh but will would if if you if you had to make a list of this kind of thing yeah i don't know um i don't think i could recommend this film okay i don't think uh i think some people would like it but i don't i'm afraid a lot of people would be upset with the ending <laughs> they right. feel that they they've been cheated so in the, in this type of thing it's just an also ran yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> I I really liked some uh, visually. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really uh, I really enjoyed seeing just a team of women. I really liked that adventure. part too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree. Uh, any movie that reminds me of Matango is good in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I love the Eve Tangui kind of trees and the beach at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, on, yeah. Some of the visuals were fantastic. Yeah. So on on just just if if a movie's got some one or two good visuals in it i'll recommend it and this has definitely got several yeah okay yeah and and good performances so right yeah for me it it would really come down to i can think of other ones in the same vein of of idea and story that i would recommend first and and ex machina straight up definitely there you go great don't know how i didn't mention that yeah it's uh, his his previous directorial yeah movie yet yeah 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 ex machina is is brilliant and it it, uh it it tells you what it needs to tell you and it doesn't spoon feed you anything Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's uh yeah that's that's definitely higher up on a list you know uh, like things that have confusion because of time travel or confusion because of dimensional rift there's a lot of stuff out there. You know, you think there's maybe two or three, but then you start naming them and you find out there's, eh, I don't know, a couple dozen of these things. <laughs> this wouldn't be at the top of the list of those things for me. I would say, I don't think so. I'd say, you know, watch at your own risk. Your mileage may vary. However yeah. you want to say it. Uh, but it didn't knock my socks off. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I liked what I saw half the time didn't know what I was being told the other half of the time. So it was, it was hard to get completely on board with it. Yeah. So last episode, we talked about something toward the end of the episode that we were going to do next after this. <laughs> and I can't remember what it was. Uh, I'm going to try and cause it's August. It's like a traditional time for ghost stories in Japan. So I'm going to try and watch a Japanese horror every week. Oh, cool. Or something at least related. So I started off with the monster and, maybe see some of the older ghost movies yeah but uh just that's just me right well i'll I'll go to the end of our previous episode and go what the hell was it we were <laughs> i should have written it down on a piece of paper here in the studio and then i could point to it and go oh yeah we were gonna do that next whatever that was we'll, we'll see if that is indeed what we want to do all right um otherwise there's a you know there's a lot of movies out there and we could we can pick any one of them you know, we could we, could, we could watch the vampire happening. <laughs> Where will we strike next? Who knows? Yeah, we're like lightning in that way, man. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else before we get out of here? I think that's it. Well, we're going to call on a show then. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors.